True Green is the easiest and most affordable way to get a beautiful lawn. All you have to do is water and mow and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, among others. They'll do all of that so you can do literally anything else. You have better things to do with your free time than focus on your lawn care. Let True Green take care of all the hard work it takes to get a great lawn while you take care of everything else on your to-do list. You can trust True Green to give you the best lawn because they are the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. They offer a satisfaction guarantee and they have a verified best price promise, which gives you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. Think about how hard it is to manage our fantasy baseball teams. You need all the time you can get to put in waiver wire claims, fab bids, send out trades, and set your lineups. You'll have that extra time when True Green is taking care of your lawn. You do you, let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people, guaranteed. Welcome to the Fantasy Baseball Today podcast from CBS Sports. Got a fantasy question? Email fantasybaseball at cbsi.com. Get ready to win your league. Where Here's Frank, Scott, Chris, and Adam. What's going on, everybody? Welcome into Fantasy Baseball Today on Monday, August 23rd. Frank Stanfield joined by Scott White and Chris Towers. To recap the weekend, get you the latest waiver wire ads, Aaron Nola and Christian Yelich might be back, and much more. First and foremost, hope everybody is doing all right. This tropical storm that hit the Northeast is uh, its pretty bad. We're recording around midnight, and I just got my power back about an hour ago. So, tweeted out, Christmas miracle. Thankfully, we're here. We're all together. Chris, Scott, me, Frank. What's up, Chris? How you doing? How was the weekend? It was good. I went to a concert on Saturday. Saw my favorite band, Wilco. Saw a little bit of Sleater Kenny as well. But unfortunately, the tropical storm kind of kind of wrecked that. They had to stop the concert for like an hour because of lightning and all that. But I got to say, watching a concert in the rain when everybody's just decided that we're we're okay getting soaked that was kind of a really good time like <laughs> i'm hoping i don't get sick uh, as a result of it you know running around and just a perpetual downpour for like three and a half hours but i gotta say i wouldn't want it at every concert but i had a good time i saw a video of you fun. it might have been on facebook of you just like running around in the rain it, it actually looked pretty fun so yeah, it was a, a good time. Jealous. You know, it's not something you do often as an adult play in the rain, but I have fond memories of running around in the rain as, as a, a younger uh, person. How you doing, Scott? Did you run around in the rain this weekend? No, no, I didn't. I did not run around in the rain. There wasn't a lot of rain here, actually. There usually is, but we got all of it. Not, yeah, you got all of it. You took it. It got dragged up there. Yeah. Uh, no, didn't. I watched a lot of Rick and Morty. I'm becoming pretty obsessed with that show, I think. <laughs> It's, it's, uh, it's lived up. To, it, it's one of those shows that, you know, people talk about on social media all the time. And you're like, gosh, just get over it already. It's a TV show. And then you watch it and you're like, oh, okay. I get it now. <laughs> For Have some you reason- gotten to Tiny Rick? Uh, yes. Tiny yes. Rick's one I, I am, I'm song. not through season two yet. So I'm still pretty early on. But his song about being stuck in a child version of his body. It's very, very catchy. <laughs> very catchy tune. 
Chris, I'm not going to put you on the spot and force you to do anything you don't want to do, but I feel like you can probably do a really good impression of either Rick or Morty. You don't have to do it, but if you decide you want to break it out at any point in this podcast, feel free to do so. Oh, geez, Rick. I don't know about this. <laughs> Morty. Morty. You just got to listen to me, Morty. Just listen to your grandpa, Rick. <laughs> very nice. Very nice. I didn't... See, you guys are the best. Oh, my good, goodness gracious. All right, let's talk about stuff that happened this weekend, and we will start with, hmm, who do we want to start with? Let's go with Chris. I feel like you usually start with me for this. You always, like, do a little, like, show of, like, oh, I don't know who it's going to be, and it's always me, uh, which right. is fine. All right. It's just something I've noticed. Tristan McKenzie. Uh, I've always been a big Tristan McKenzie fan. I think he's... A very talented pitcher, and we're we're really seeing that lately. You know, he had a stretch last season where um, where he looked really good, but especially over his last is it the last two starts, especially that he's been really really great. Uh, the velocity's been there. Um, seven strikeouts, sorry, eight strikeouts in seven innings, one earned run, two hits this time out. He had the the eight shutout, eleven strikeout game, um, and this is four quality starts in a row. For Tristan McKenzie, who, you know, got off to a really tough start this season. Um, and, you know, I think that fueled a lot more concerns about, you know, whether he was suited to be a starter long term. But the fact that he's pitching into August, sustaining his velocity, something he couldn't do last year uh, and pitching better is a really good sign. Yeah, and the fact that the velocity has been up recently during this stretch as well. He's actually made eight starts since returning to the majors, and mm -hmm. in that stretch, 3.49 ERA, just a 0.78 whip, 48 strikeouts to just eight walks over 49 innings pitch. So that's really the key. Yeah. The fact that the he was like a he was like a walk per inning before he got yeah. sent down. I mean, it was yeah, it's a disaster. So yeah, I mean, you see how much. How much just little adjustments in the minors can make? Because now Tristan McKenzie is four great starts in a row. I mean, turns out like having a consistent role can also help because he was true. They used him really weird early on in the season. And you have to think that, you know, didn't help at the very least. Yeah, 100%. Control much better for McKenzie. He's got a 13% swinging strike rate during this last eight start stretch and let's rank. I would say these are the best waiver wire starting pitchers available at this point that are rostered in less than 80% of CBS leagues. I'll check to see how rostered Josiah Gray is, but he should probably be in this mix as well. Uh, but all of these pitchers pitched pretty well over the weekend. McKenzie, Vladimir Gutierrez, another strong start on Sunday, seven innings, one run, eight strikeouts against the Miami Marlins. Obviously pretty strong matchup there. He has six straight quality starts. Now Vladimir Gutierrez does Tuki Toussaint at the Orioles, five and a third, one run, five strikeouts. He was fine. He's got a 3.69 ERA in seven starts since being recalled. And then Cal Quantrill on Sunday Night Baseball. Another really, really strong performance. Seven shutout, two hits, two walks, nine strikeouts. He's got a 1.50 ERA over his last eight starts. Scott, how would you rank that group? McKenzie, Gutierrez, Toussaint, Cal Quantrill. I would rank them McKenzie and Toussaint. Clearly one and two, I think. Uh, I have... Major questions about how good Gutierrez actually is, as we've talked about before. And yet, he just turned in his sixth straight quality start on Sunday. So, you know, he was picked up for the two-start week. I can imagine he'll be kept. 
I'm just trying to look ahead because I think, you know, we're running out of time here. And I think the Reds have run out of season, I should say. And I think the Reds have among the best matchups of any team going forward. They can see they, they face the Pirates three times in September, the Cubs, the Nationals, the Tigers. Yeah, it looks like a pretty good, pretty good road ahead for the Reds. So because of that, I'm going to put Gutierrez ahead of Quantrill, who I'm also not totally sold on. Uh, but I, I wouldn't have a problem with anybody picking up any of these guys at this point. I just think skills-wise, McKenzie and Toussaint stand out the most. Gutierrez, by the way, is at the Marlins this upcoming week. He's 78% rostered, so more so in shallow, shallower leagues, 10% uh, ten team leagues, head-to-head points leagues. Obviously, you might see Gutierrez available. Josiah Gray, by the way, is 76% rostered. Where would he rank among this group, Scott? Is he, number, is he ahead of Tristan McKenzie? No, I can't put him ahead of Tristan McKenzie after the way the last three hits, three combined hits, 19 combined strikeouts, the last two starts for McKenzie. So, um, no, Gray would be second. He would be between McKenzie and Toussaint for me. Chris, how would you rank this group? Exactly the same way. Cool. All righty. So, McKenzie and Josiah Gray up at the top. Oh, my goodness gracious for you, Scotty. So, this is a profile I hate, but uh, kind of hard to ignore after the... The, the week he had, Nicky Lopez, Little Nicky, which I can only assume is one of your favorite movies, Frank. Favorite. We talked about it beforehand, so I actually <laughs> knew that. But uh, yeah, Nicky Lopez is up to, uh, let me see if I can find it. Is it eight, eight steals in his last seven games? Is that right, Frank? Yeah, yeah. 11 hits, eight steals over his eight last seven games. Eight steals in his last seven games. So, I mean, we know the Royals... Produce some big base stealers. They like to run. And uh, he's fitting the mold. Now, we saw him get called up with moderate hype, I would say, in 2019. And he just didn't hit at all. It was kind of a kind of a Nick Madrigal situation because he has zero power, basically, but makes a lot of contact, can run a bit. And uh, so this is, this is the kind of player we dreamed he would be when he first got called up two years ago. Uh, since mid-July, he's batting about 320 with a 375 BABIP. So, you know, it's not like he's... You may be having some luck, but not crazy amount of luck. And he's still in a bunch. He's 18 for 18 now this season. So if you need a steal specialist, a batting average specialist from an up-the-middle guy, I think he's eligible at both second and short, I want to say. Yep, he is. Nicky, little Nicky, little Nicky Lopez. He was, he was one in six on stolen base attempts in his first two seasons combined. Yeah. And now 18 for 18. And, and I will say that the Nick Madrigal comparison is probably a little unfair. Nicky Lopez has 10 home runs in 88 games at AAA. I'm not sure Nick Madrigal has that many home runs in a game going back to high school. Oh, so you're saying it was... It was unfair, it was unfair to, to Nikki, not unfair yeah. to. Okay, I, I was yeah, thinking, oh, Madrigal, the, the power. Let me see, because Madrigal five, was a much eight. more highly touted prospect. Sorry, Nick Madrigal does have fourteen career home runs going back to high school. Interesting. So, <laughs> I, I would have taken the under on ten, honestly, for uh, for Nick Madrigal. Yeah, it's a nice stretch that we're on here for Nicky Lopez, and specifically for this upcoming week, the Royals play seven games. So give you some volume there. If you do need some speed, he is someone that you can look at. For me, I'm going to go with uh, Tyler Naquin. He is hot again. Seven hits, including three home runs this weekend. 
and including a double dong on Sunday. 53% rostered is Tyler Naquin. They play six games this upcoming week. The Cincinnati Reds do. They do have two lefties on the schedule, so that doesn't bode well for Naquin, but he is playing consistently as long as Jesse Winker is on the IL. And in the month of August, strikeout rate is way down for Tyler Naquin, below 16%, with a near 34% line drive rate. So he's putting the ball in play. He's lifting the ball, and obviously in Cincinnati, that's going to mean very good things. Chris, how would you rank this group of waiver wire outfielders from the weekend? Tyler Naquin, Miles Straw now in 21 games with Cleveland, 318 batting average, four steals, 18 runs scored in 21 games. Brandon Nimmo, over his last 15 games, batting 295, two homers, one steal. Andrew Benintendi is hot again as well. 14 hits over his last eight games. And Odubel Herrera went four for five on Sunday. He has a home run in back-to-back games. Naquin, Straw, Nimmo, Benintendi, Herrera. How would you rank him? Honestly, probably Straw, Nimmo, and then Benintendi or Naquin. I I don't feel super strong about it. They're, you know, Naquin has more pop. Benintendi has more potential to steal some bases, but I'm not particularly enthused about either of them. What do you think of this group, Scott? Uh, Yeah, I mean, did you point out Naquin's full numbers in August. No, just the the strikeout rate and the line drive rate. He's having a bananas month here. He's yeah. batting like around 400 for the month with uh, yeah the two home runs today, and he is at. But like we we learned our lesson here, right? Or maybe we learned the wrong lesson. Yeah, I think we probably seven home run. the right lesson. He's up to seven home runs now in August, batting nearly 400. Yeah. And as I pointed out for Vladimir Gutierrez, the Reds matchups the final month are extremely favorable. I don't know. I don't know. I don't think... Uh, I don't know what to make of Tyler Naquin, to be honest. He's had two amazing months and not much in between, but he seems to have the center field job locked up and really good matchups ahead. And It's hot as he's been all season, so... I don't know. I I might put him... I could see going straw ahead of him if you need the steals, but otherwise, I might go Naquin number one here of this group. All right. Again, that group includes Naquin, Miles Straw, Brendan Nimmo, Andrew Benintendi, and Odubel Herrera. Those guys are hot right now from the weekend. I did want to point out, uh, oh my goodness gracious, just missed here, but wanted to talk about him at the top. Chris Sale, he was fine against the Texas Rangers. Five shutout, five hits, one walk, five strikeouts. He only had seven swinging strikes on 71 pitches. His fastball velocity, we, we spoke about it after the first start. It was right around 93 miles per hour in that first start, just over 93, which is where he was at before he got hurt back in 2019. In this start, the fastball velocity down even more, 92.3 miles per hour on average. Are you guys worried about Chris Sale? Would you start him against the Minnesota Twins this week? I would I'm not worried at all. Yeah, Definitely start him. I don't think velocity is a big deal with him. It's fluctuated a lot over the course of his career. And and he's someone who's talked about, you know, not going 100% all the time. Um, I did want to see, he didn't throw his slider much in the first start. I wanted to see what, what the usage was this time around. And he's at 21% slider usage so far through two starts, which is really low for him, obviously. He, you know, was starting to use his slider as his primary pitch the last, like, three or four seasons, so... Um, yeah, that's something to keep an eye on, but no, I don't think there's anything to be concerned about Chris sales. All right. Keep as, him, as long as he's healthy, 
Keep him in your lineup up against the Minnesota Twins this week, uh, this upcoming week. News and notes from the weekend. These players went to the IL. Anthony DeScofani, right ankle inflammation. Evan Longoria and Nelson Cruz both went to the COVID IL. They didn't really tell us if those guys tested positive or not, so you got to play the situation by ear for both uh, Longoria and Nelson Cruz. Diego Castillo with right shoulder inflammation. Scott, the next Mariner save will go to... Paul Seawalt. Paul Seawalt. Unless it goes to Drew Steckenrider. I like I I think that Diego Castillo was pretty clearly third in that conversation anyway. Yeah. But no, I think I think Paul Seawalt, he's only rostered in about a third of CBS Sports Leagues, and he's probably probably the most under rostered reliever right now. I think if anybody's gonna claim the job outright, it'll be him. And even if only he gets half the if even if he only gets half the saves, he'll be worth using in most leagues. Willie Peralta went to the IL with a blister. Joe Barlow went to the IL with a blister as well and looked like he was the closer for the Rangers. Scott, the next save for Texas will go to blank and doesn't matter. Yes, Spencer Patton because he had <laughs> dropped back to the setup role when Barlow overtook him. Yep. And I picked him up in a 15-team Roto League for dirt cheap, but man, I am desperate for saves. So it's probably Spencer Patton. I don't think he's very good. And Tyron Taylor went to the IL with a right oblique injury. Congratulations, Miguel Cabrera hit his 500th career home run on Sunday. He is the 28th player in MLB history to do so. It's been an awesome career. You know, Miguel Cabrera and Albert Pujols are really the two that I look at as like generational talents from like the past two decades, basically, in terms of uh, just hitting talent. So awesome to see that accomplishment. Oh, yeah, just two of the best right-handed hitters ever. It's weird that I'm at the point now where like Miguel Cabrera's hit 500 home runs. He's close to the end of his career. And like I was 15 when he uh, made his debut, you know, obviously being a Marlins fan. Yeah, it's it's been it. It, it ages you makes yeah. you feel a little old. I was in college, but he's yeah, he's remember, unbelievable player. Remember the Miguel Cabrera hype distinctly. Yeah, drafted, signed as a shortstop, played shortstop in the minors. I mean, go, who was go it? back and watch some videos of him as a rookie. <laughs> Dude was felt. I actually saw the video that you posted earlier too. Yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah. He was. It's it's always interesting to see like <laughs> it gets brushed back by Roger Clemens in Game Four of the World Series. Four pitches later, hits an opposite field home run. All right, you know, the Marlins right. won that game. All right, right, all right. Yeah, we can move. On. Remember that one. We Alex Gonzalez yep. had a walk off home run. <laughs> yep, yep. yep. Uh, we, they yep. would later go on to win the series. Okay, uh, the okay. World Series. Okay, you in done? Yankee Stadium. You done? You done? You done? No. Nope. All right. Good. Good. <laughs> Kenta Maeda left Saturday. Start with forearm tightness, and he is slated to undergo additional tests. This obviously has the potential to be. Uh, Pretty bad for Kenta Maeda, and there's a chance that he shut down for the rest of the season. Uh, as far as I saw, he was not placed on the IL yet, but doesn't sound good. Mike Trout worked out on the field prior to Friday's game and indicated that he is feeling good. He also admitted to experiencing some soreness earlier in the week, but it appears to have subsided. So uh, we're waiting for Mike Trout to come back from that calf strain, which he's been out since uh, what probably May, right? It's been a super long time, so... Yeah, I don't know. I don't know if we're going to get anything else from Mike Trout. Same thing with Clayton Kershaw. He threw from 120 feet on Saturday and may get back on the mound this week. Astros GM James Click said that Alex Bregman will appear in another rehab game on Monday. Very weird situation because on Thursday, Dusty Baker said they had no update on Alex Bregman and when he's going to play. And then on Friday, they're just like, hey, he's going to play in rehab. So 
I don't know. I, mm-hmm. I hope he's all right, and I hope he's back soon. But he did hit a home run and, at Triple and, and I think John Heyman jumped in there and said he might be activated Sunday or Monday. So we were we were all over the place with Bregman this weekend. But it's I, been I do a weird think, weird recovery. I, I do think he's trending toward being activated this week in deeper leagues. Uh, I would plan on starting Bregman. Nice. Let's do it. Kyle Tucker is also trending towards a midweek return. He's currently on the COVID IL. Chris Paddock threw 25 pitches in an intensive bullpen session on Friday. Jose Urquidy threw a bullpen session on Sunday. Aaron Savali made a rehab start at AA on Sunday. Ian Anderson will make one more rehab start at AAA uh, before likely rejoining the Atlanta starting rotation. Pablo Lopez made a rehab start this weekend. He went three no-hit innings with three strikeouts. Uh, Scott, how would you rank the IL stashes uh, in terms of starting pitchers? Paddock, Urquidy, Savale, Ian Anderson, Pablo Lopez. I'll throw Corey Kluber in that mix as well. Uh, I guess give me the three that you're most excited about potentially helping us down the stretch. Well, obviously, timeline's going to factor into this as late as we are in the season. Yeah. Uh, and yet, having said that, uh, Ian Anderson, I think, clearly is number one since he's about to return. I think I'm going to gamble on Lopez and Savale returning with enough mm-hmm. time to impact you. If, if you need somebody sooner than that, then Jose or Keedy. The Pirates waived Gregory Polanco. TJ Antone is expected to return on Tuesday for the Reds. He's... 21% rostered. Chris, would you look to add TJ Antone anywhere? I think in Roto Leagues, because of his you know multi-inning strikeout potential, he can have some value, even if he isn't necessarily in a, a closer's role, which you know maybe he does get there. Man, the Cincinnati Reds, by the way, <laughs> gosh, they've been... Uh, They've been one of the more fun teams. The word I will use is fun to predict this season uh, in terms of their uh, I would role. choose a different word. But uh, yeah, Michael Givens got a save on Friday and then Michael Lorenzen got two saves. Uh, one on Saturday and uh-huh. one on Sunday. So do, well, you, do you have any feel for this bullpen right now, Scott? He was, okay, so to clarify, he was bailing out Givens on Saturday. On Saturday. Yes. But Givens was brought in to pitch the eighth, which, you know, where did that come from? Givens seemed very... For over a week now, given seemed locked into into that closer role, which is as long as <laughs> anyone's had it for the Reds, yeah, pretty much. Um, and then, uh, and then you know, maybe Lorenzen just got the safe Sunday because Givens had worked back to back days. I, I don't know. I don't know. I would still guess Givens is in the driver's seat there, but it's um, it's not as clear cut as I thought heading into the weekend. Nick Solak was recalled by the Texas Rangers and is expected to be their everyday second baseman for the rest of the season. He did pick up two hits on Saturday. Scott, do you have any interest in Nick Solak in deeper leagues? Yeah, deeper leagues. Sure. I'm not I'm not optimistic he's going to come and look like the guy we saw in April. One of, the, one of the few hitters who stood out in April and then disappeared after that. But, you know, he's done things before. Keep an eye on him. Alec Bohm was optioned to AAA. He was batting 245 with a 645 OPS this season. 26% strikeout rate, a lot of ground balls. Chris, how worried are you about Alec Bohm if you have him in a dynasty league? Well, he just turned 25 three weeks ago. So, I mean, he's not old, but he's certainly not, you know, so young that you can just easily project him to turn things around. It's clear he's still a physically talented player, but. His approach isn't good. You know, he was someone who, you know, I don't know if maybe he's been trying to get, you know, more power into games uh, in the majors. And and that's why his contact rate and strikeout rate have been so poor. Um, 
He is hitting the ball surprisingly hard. 92 miles per hour average exit velocity, 50% hard hit rate. But hitting the ball into the ground a bunch, I don't know. Uh, I definitely don't feel good about him right now. Yeah, me neither. It's going to be interesting to see uh, if the Phillies can get him back on track. Someone who hit for a lot of batting average in the minors. The power, mm-hmm. a little bit skeptical because of that ground ball rate again, but he's still young, so let's see. Starter sit these players for the upcoming week. Tim Anderson has sat out two straight, and we saw this quote from Tony Larusa. If this was October, he'd be in there, but this is preventative. Scott, what do you think? Starter sit, Tim Anderson. Probably start. I mean, if you have an awesome backup at shortstop, maybe not, but you probably don't. It's it's a position that thins out quickly. Tony Larusa also said that Carlos Rodon will start Thursday. Quote: If he does a couple of more things, <laughs> I don't really know what that means because do anything. <laughs> sure. But uh, would you guys start Carlos Rodon this week? I wouldn't start him. All right. The Mets are hopeful that Francisco Lindor could be back on Tuesday. Would you start him? Yeah. Um. Yeah. I mean, if you were if you were holding your breath for his return, if you found a pretty good alternative, it's not like he was super productive for you before getting hurt. Eduardo Escobar was removed Sunday with right hamstring discomfort. What are we thinking there? Uh, probably sit if in doubt. Yeah. And lastly, we have Travis Darno, who was placed on the paternity list on Saturday. The Braves play on Monday and Tuesday and then are off Wednesday. Again, we spoke about the scheduling this upcoming week is pretty weird, but there's a chance we don't see Travis Darno again until Friday. So why are, why are teams off on Wednesday? I don't know. There are some team. There are two teams that are off Sunday too. It's a weird week. That's really strange. There's got to be something weird, like some that never happens. Maybe some special kind of games or something. I don't know. Oh, is the no the little league <laughs> thing already happened? Right. Yeah that that was Sunday night baseball. I I've, I haven't the foggiest then. <laughs> yeah. By the way, Scott, uh, we're going up against each other, Yankees and Braves. So should be fun. Oh, well, both of our team's fortunes are suddenly looking much better. It's true. Much better. You really hate to see it. Uh, <laughs> I, I actually love to see it. Thank you. I was writing the Braves off, remember? Like, just in July, I was saying, all right, they're not going to the playoffs this year. On this very podcast, I said that. How wrong I was, because now they have, some would say, an 81% chance. I don't know who exactly I'm citing here by saying that, but... <laughs> Playoff odds, 81%. Are we starting Travis Darno? In a two-catcher league, probably. Not in a one-catcher league. Yeah, I have him in the podcast points league, and uh, I haven't set up my waiver wire bids yet, so I probably should do that right after this podcast. The thing is, you may not want to pick up a second catcher, is the the thing, and you know, catchers sit a lot anyway, so I could see starting him just because of that. And and it's a three-day, like if he was placed on Saturday, he should be back by Tuesday. At the very latest, I think. Well, and you have to leave us three days. Yeah, it, I think it's like three to seven is what it can be. It can go as far uh, as seven, but it, the, uh, the okay. least amount is three days. So he's got to uh, be there at least until Tuesday and then they don't play Wednesday or Thursday. So that's why it's just it's a very weird week for the Braves overall. So it is strange. I would probably yeah. lean towards benching him if you could. I would, I, yeah, I think setting him makes sense. Uh, we had some returns this weekend. Reese Hoskins came back on Sunday with a double dong. He's now up to 26 home runs. Javier Baez came back Sunday as well. He went two for four with two doubles. Kwang Hyun Kim returned on Sunday and will be used out of the bullpen for the rest of the season for St. Louis. Chris Archer, old friend, two shutout innings with four strikeouts. 
but he left again with a tight hip. Would we have any interest in Archer if he was completely healthy? Not that much. Not much, yeah. All right. few prospect updates. Orioles 2020 first-round pick Heston Kierstead. We have not seen him play at all yet in the minor leagues. He is close to resuming baseball activities, uh, has not made that professional debut yet because of a prolonged battle with inflammation in his heart. Big left-handed power for Heston Kierstead. Issues with strikeouts, so hopefully he can make it. I think that power would be able to play in Camden Yards, but obviously uh, he's got a long road ahead. Heston Kierstead does. Nate Pearson pitched in relief at AAA on Sunday. He allowed a solo homer in his one inning of work, and the Blue Jays are planning to use him as a reliever this season with the big league club. Let's get back to some hitters here. Are we doing the Dalton Varsho thing again? Back-to-back games with a home run over the weekend. Coors Field definitely helps. 34% rostered. He's got seven road games this upcoming week. Would you prefer Dalton Varsho or Elias Diaz, who has been pretty hot for like the past two months? The problem is uh, he's got six games this week. They're all on the road. So mm-hmm. will not be That's at the Field. Like I'd, I'd take Diaz if you could guarantee me he was at home, but I'm pretty excited about Varsho, actually. I know he's only started eight of the team's last 16 games, but if he keeps hitting like this, especially with his flexibility to play the outfield, you know, that that's only going to go up. And he's not counting Sunday's game where he fell a single short of the cycle. Since the start of July, Varsho is batting 296 with a 1028 OPS. Hmm. Yeah, and... 8 of 16, like that's not that much different than the kind of guys you're going to be starting in a two-catcher league anyway. Yep. Sure. Would you guys drop Travis Darno for Dalton Varsho in a one-catcher league? I think so. Yeah, they're right in the same range for me. Um, Mitch Gar- I was making that decision with Mitch Garver, actually. Garver, Varsho, Darno. I was making that decision in several of my leagues, actually. Mm-hmm. Garver hasn't played that much, so I think yeah. he might be the back of the line for me now that of that trio. So who would you rather have this week, Scott? Uh, Varsho or Diaz? Varsho, right? Var- Varsho. Varsho. Diaz on the road, yeah. Yeah. All right, cool. Do you have any interest in these hitters in deeper leagues? Jake Myers is a name who, over the last 15 games for the Houston Astros, he's batting 341, three homers. Uh, he does strike out quite a bit. He's hitting the ball very hard. 92.7 mile per hour, average exit velocity. Was crushing it in the minors this year. Some power, some yep. speed. But I do wonder if Kyle Tucker returns, what happens to the playing time for uh, Jake Myers? Any interest here? I'm going to guess that he keeps it because it seems like he's the better center fielder anyway. Chaz McCormick has moved over to right to accommodate Myers. And with Myers hitting this well, why would they take him out? Now, he is striking out like 30% of the time, Mm -hmm. but he struck out 19% of the time in the minors. So I don't know that that's going to be just forever part of his profile. Oh, this guy strikes out too much. Um, yeah, I like what I've seen from him. It was right around 20% at AAA, um, right around 20% at AA. So, you know, I think you could project some improvement there if he if he keeps playing every day. Um, so, yeah, I think, uh, yeah, I think he's interesting. Jake Myers in my 15, in one of my 15-team Roto Leagues went for $21 out of a $1,000 fab budget. So right around 2%. Again, that's a five outfielder league. He is 9% rostered on CBS. Uh, Chaz McCormick's currently dealing with a hand injury as well. So he's day-to-day. That could definitely help with uh, Myers' playing time in the short term, obviously. Uh, Lane Thomas has seven hits with one steal 
over this weekend. He's only 1% rostered. Some power, some speed in the minors, nothing overwhelming. Any interest, Lane Thomas? Not really. All right, next up we have Andrew Velasquez, who's, he's been like this awesome spark plug for the Yankees. They're stealing bases left and right now, which <laughs> I don't I don't really know where it's come from, but he's part of the reason. Last seven games, he's batting 300, one homer, two steals, 70 games at AAA this season. He was batting 283, seven homers, 26 steals for Andrew Velasquez. Any interest? He is real small. Small dude. He's, he's a tiny little dude, even, you know, especially by Yankee standards at this point. Um, <laughs> is he like little Nicky? He, I mean, he's like, he's listed at like five, nine, one seventy, And, and it looks, wow. it looks like a generous, uh, five, nine. <laughs> he's, um, he's littler than little Nicky. Is he playing every day for the Yankees right now? He, he yeah. has been with recently yeah. with Glaber Torres on the IL. Yeah, he has. Yeah. The, the stolen bases, you know, anybody who can steal that many bases is worth, you know, a look as long as they're, you know, playing. It's a really cool story too. That I mean, if you watch any Yankee game, they talk about it nonstop. But he's actually from the Bronx and grew up a Yankee fan, so it's really cool. I went to the game on Friday and I actually noticed his height and weight. I'm like, oh, five nine, one seventy. That's basically me. I, I can I can be a major league ball player. No, I can't. I obviously cannot do that. Uh, last name here I wanted to bring up Andy Ibanez with the Texas Rangers. Ten hits, one homer over his last six games. He's two percent rostered. He has. First, second, and third base eligibility uh, this year in AAA. He was batting 352 with a 1058 OPS. Any interest in Andy Abanez? It would have Not- to be. It would have to be a 15 team league at least, or a you know AL only. Sure. Uh, all right. Some other hitting standouts from this weekend. Salvador Perez had a double dong on Friday. He's now up to 32 home runs. Career season continues for him. Luke Voigt said that he deserves to play as much as Anthony Rizzo, and he's proving why. 13 hits, three homers over his last six games. Jose Ramirez had a sock and a shoe in two straight games on Friday and Saturday, and in August, we know that when Ramirez gets hot, I mean, this guy can single-handedly carry your fantasy baseball team. In the month of August, he's batting 275, seven homers, five steals, a 10-16 OPS for Jose Ramirez. Yordan Alvarez has homered in three straight games. Wander Franco, five more hits this weekend in 32 second-half games. He's batting 299, four homers, eight doubles, 22 RBI, 27 runs scored over his last 32 games. That is awesome for Wander Franco. And I did just want to bring up Christian Yelich. Get your thoughts Find out if we think he's coming around a little bit. I know last week Bellinger was hot, and we spoke about him maybe coming around, and since then he's <laughs> basically cooled off again. But Christian Yelich, uh, three for five with a double dong on Saturday, including a grand slam. And I noticed in the month of August, strikeout, strikeout rate is down. The hard contact is back up. Any faith here in Christian Yelich down the stretch? I have a lot more faith in him than Cody Ballinger at this point. I have for much of the season because when you look at the underlying numbers for both of them, there's basically been nothing really good for Cody Ballinger all season. Um, whereas like Christian Yelich is still 94th percentile max exit velocity, 90th percentile hard hit rate, 74th percentile on average exit velocity. Like it was all not nearly where it was at his best. To be to be certain, and you know the launch angle especially is you know more than half of what it was in 2019 or less than half. But yeah, he's still been hitting the ball incredibly hard. He's still been walking a ton. So I 
I'm hopeful that Christian Yelich can keep this up, and I definitely have more confidence in him than someone like Cody Bellinger. All right, let's see if he can keep it up here. Uh, like Jose Ramirez and a lot of these hitters that we mentioned, uh, he is someone that can carry your team if he gets hot in a hurry. So I think it's just a matter of him getting healthier from that back injury, which has been a huge problem for Yelich this year. But if he's getting healthy, then again, we could see some uh, some massive games here down the stretch. Let's take a quick break. When we return, let's rank some waiver wire starting pitchers, some streamers for the upcoming week next on Fantasy Baseball Today. Worn by players like Michael Harris to meet the demand of elite ball players, the New Balance Fuel Cell 4040 V7 is a versatile option. The 4040 V7 is built for the athlete who needs responsiveness and ability to cut and run at their full speed. The model features a fuel cell foam underfoot and a synthetic and mesh upper to provide breathability, comfort, and a snug fit as you round the bases. The fuel cell midsole features nitrogen-infused foam specifically designed to propel athletes forward. Learn more about the 4040 at newbalance.com. The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads. Nothing beats a weekend away with the family in the great outdoors, whether it's camping, hiking, river rafting, or anything in between. With third-row seating, nobody is left out. The entire family can experience the thrill together, and nobody wants a dead phone. Available dual wireless charging pads make it so nobody gets stuck, and we can check our fantasy baseball teams together. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Let's start with ranking waiver wire streamers part one. Brad Keller was at the Cubs this weekend. Six innings, two runs, eight strikeouts. He's 30% rostered, and he is at the Mariners this week. Jake Odorizzi had a nice start against the Mariners this weekend. Five and two-thirds, one run. Eight strikeouts. He is at the Texas Rangers this upcoming week. Patrick Corbin, you know that <laughs> Corbin's not very good, but uh, he was awesome in this start against the Brewers. It was his first quality start since July 7th, by the way. Six and a third, one run, zero walks, seven strikeouts. His sinker velocity was up to 94 miles per hour on average in this one. Slider velo was up about two miles per hour as well. Luis Patino turned in a quality start with five strikeouts. He is... At the Baltimore Orioles, Cor- Corbin, by the way, is at the, the Marlins this week. Uh, and then Carlos Hernandez gave us a great start this weekend against the Cubs. Se- seven innings, one run, eight strikeouts. And he is at the Mariners. So, Scott, how would you rank these streamers? Keller at the Mariners. Uh, Odorizzi at the Rangers. Patrick Corbin at the Marlins. Luis Patino at the Orioles. And Carlos Hernandez at the Mariners. I would rank them Brad Keller number one. Six of his last eight now are quality starts and the two that weren't. He was either dealing with a back issue or just coming back from it. Uh, I'll go I'll go Patino number two. The Orioles have been especially bad lately. Uh, and then I guess I don't really like any of the others, to be honest. Uh, I might I might roll the dice on Corbin with the velocity being way up with the last start, but obviously we, we've not seen him sustain that kind of velocity for any stretch of time. Really don't have faith in Carlos Hernandez. This was only his third start this year with double-digit swinging strikes, and he was going against a triple-A lineup. The Mariners are better than the Cubs, I would say, at this point. 
And uh, that leaves us Jake Odorizzi bringing up the rear there. By the way, I want to point this out since I happened to look it up earlier today for Brad Keller, who I ranked number one here. You know, it's it's hard to tell exactly how any team's rotation is going to line up the rest of the way, especially this year. Royals currently have a six-man rotation. I'm assuming it won't stay six-man the rest of the way. And you could you could see Keller's remaining matchups going this way. Mariners, Indians, Orioles, Twins, Mariners again, Tigers, Twins again. All bottom feeders except the Mariners who's, you know, you know, they're, you know the Mariners' offense. You know the story with the Mariners. Yep. He might throw no um, <laughs> and And I'll point out, like, this isn't just like a random hot streak. He threw his slider, I believe, a career high, like 50%, 49% of the time on his July 4th start against the Twins. And that that's this eight-start stretch that he's on now. He's thrown the slider, I think, at least 40% of the time in every start in that stretch. He's got 50 strikeouts, 18 walks, and 48 in a third inning. So he's almost averaging... Am I doing the math right? He's almost averaging... Six and a half starts per inning, something like that. Yeah, six and a half innings per start. Six and a half innings per start. <laughs> <laughs> it's like six and a half starts per inning. What? <laughs> um. All right, Brad Keller up at the top there. Odorizzi, I will point out at the Texas Rangers this week, but he has been much better at home in Minute Maid Park than he has been on the road. He's got an ERA over five on the road this season. Does Jake Odorizzi? Let's rank waiver wire streamers part two. These are all players that are rostered in under 40% of CBS leagues. So maybe you're looking at uh, deeper leagues for these names. But Miles Michaelis, he was up against the Pittsburgh Pirates in his return on Friday. Five innings, two runs, zero earned, by the way, five strikeouts in that start. And he's at the Pirates again this upcoming week. Chris Bubich took a no-hitter into the seventh inning. He was at the Cubs and their AAA lineup. But six and a third, one hit, two runs, nine strikeouts for Bubich. In this start, he is at the Mariners this week. And then Jay Happ, who, look, I don't think Jay Happ is very good, but six innings, two runs, eight strikeouts, four starts with the Cardinals now. He's got a 1.99 ERA. He has had very favorable matchups. He faces the Pirates again this upcoming week. So, Chris, how would you rank this group of streamers? Michaelis at the Pirates, Bubich at the Mariners, Happ at the Pirates. I think I would go... Hap, Bubich, Michaelis. What do you think, Scott? <laughs> I was not going to say that, actually. I was going to say Michaelis, Bubich, Hap. Well, I feel very strongly oh, man. about this. Oh, man. No. Uh, I, mean, I, I do want to mention Michaelis. The results were good, but, um, you know, normally he's a ground ball pitcher. And in this start, he gave up nine fly balls versus three ground balls. So I, I don't know. I don't know that he's totally back to form, but he's going against the Pirates. So is J-Hap. <laughs> yeah. I just, I'm pretty confident at this point, J-Hap's not good. Like Frank was saying, regardless of how things have gone in his first four starts at the that's, Cardinals. That's reasonable. Yeah. In those four starts, he has a swinging strike rate that is below 8%. League average is around 11%, uh, and he has a 48% fly ball rate. So doesn't really bode well, but man, the Pirates are really, really bad against left-handed pitching. I mean, they're bad against most people, but specifically against lefties. Uh, who are you worried about most from this group? And I mentioned we've got to talk about Kevin Gosman last week. I brought that up. I think now is the time to do that. Um, 
over his last seven starts, Kevin Gosman has a 5.17 ERA with a 1.69 whip. Yusei Kikuchi, over his last eight starts, has a 6.69 ERA, 1.82 whip. Sean Manaya, his last nine starts, a 5.52 ERA. And then Logan Gilbert, over his last six, he's got an ERA over eight. So between Gosman, Manaya, Logan Gilbert, Kikuchi, Scott, who do you worry about most? And uh, if you can, just kind of evaluate like what is going on with Kevin Gosman that you've seen. Well, I am worried about all of them a little bit. Yeah, none of them have looked right, and and in a way where it's not like the underlying numbers are all fine either. I, I would say the one who's, you know, you're, you're to the point where you might drop him is Logan Gilbert, just because, I, I mean. At his best, he was the least useful of this group. So that makes it, that just makes it easy to do, right? Uh, But, you know, just in terms of how likely he is to get it back, if if that's how you're going to interpret worried about the most, maybe Kikuchi. Because velocity's been down, the cutter usage has changed. I just, I just don't, it, it just looks like, it just, I, I could see maybe how he's lost it, I guess. Yeah, it's hard to come up with like a really compelling explanation for it because his cutter's been his worst pitch this season and he's throwing it less yeah. over the slot state starts. It's actually coincided with a, you know, like a 10 to 15% drop consistently in his cutter usage. But the problem is his fastball's been getting hit really hard in that same stretch too. And he's mostly trading cutters for fastballs. So, yeah, it's I wonder not if like really a, a trade off that's working out. Right, like maybe the cutter keeps them off his fastball or something. Yeah, yeah, I don't know exactly what, but... And even his slider in the month of August has gotten hit really, really hard, too. So it's and basically it's, just been his changeup's been good so far, which it, that's not enough. As for Gosman, I mean, it it isn't just like I, I wondered, okay, I know his starts haven't been long lately. Only once in the past seven has he gone six innings. But are they doing this because they're obviously going to the playoffs, the Giants, and they're just trying to preserve his innings after the very short season last year? But it's not just that because he has a 517 ERA over that seven-star stretch. His, his swinging strike rate is about 12%. When his previous 18 starts, it was it was about 16%. So that's a big drop in swinging strike rate during the stretch too. Not that it's a horrible swinging strike rate, uh, but it's certainly not the you know, the, the ace-like one we were seeing from him earlier, the dominant one. Uh, some aces do have about a 12% strikeout rate. Yeah, I don't know. It's uh I, I don't I don't really know what's wrong with him, but he's I don't think you can really give up on him either. He's too you're, he's 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 too ensconced in your team's success at this point. And it yeah, helps. I, I think it's worth noting, like his ex woba this month is actually right in the middle. Uh, so it's three oh two right now. That's right in the middle for all of his months this season. He's had two better, two worse. So I don't know if the uh, you know if he's really pitching all that much worse. You know, um, it, it certainly seems like his control or, or and. Or, control slash command aren't there, but you know, I don't know if there's a, a good explanation for that or if that's just kind of the the ebbs and flows of a season. I think it's kind of the ebbs and flows of a predominant splitter pitcher as well, right? Like we've seen that before where, you know, Frankie Montas or, or even Kevin Gosman in the past have they just kind of lose it for stretches of time because it is hard to 
command that splitter. So obviously that is his best pitch. Uh, the walks have been an issue for him here, but I think we're, we're leaving him in the lineup, right, at the Mets this upcoming week? Yeah. Yeah, yeah and the, the splitters actually remained a, a very, very good pitch this month. Um, you know, the XWOBA allowed is 224. The whiff rate's a little down, but not not alarmingly so. Like, it's still 38%. It was 44% in July. So I don't know if that's... If there's really a good explanation here. Well, how about for uh, Kikuchi? Should we leave him in the lineup? He's up against the Royals this week. It's also a good matchup, so it's it's tough because he's been so bad. It is a good matchup, but no, I, I just think the disaster yeah. potential is too high. Yeah, I think there's... He, he could be droppable. Sean Manaya too. I, I mentioned ERA over five over his last nine starts. He's going up against the Yankees this week who are, they're obviously pretty hot right now and, and they've been very good against left-handed pitching too. So would you bench Sean Manaya in that matchup? Yes, I would bench him. You mentioned his last nine starts though, right? Yes, 5.52 ERA. Because really, really it's just the four starts in August that have been awful. And then he had, the last two before that were great. So I'm, I don't know that I'd go back that far to describe his struggles. Just I, I don't think it's quite as long as, as we've seen from Kikuchi or even Gosman. All right, let's stick with some starter sit. And Sonny Gray had a great start this weekend up against the Marlins. Definitely helps. Seven shutout with five strikeouts. And it was his first time going at least seven innings since July 7th. The problem is he's at the Milwaukee Brewers this upcoming week, and uh, over the last 30 days, they are fifth in weighted on base average. Starter sit, Sonny Gray. I would probably sit him. It kind of depends what else I have. I don't think he'd be the worst start in the world, but I'd try to sit him. Yeah, he's he struggled last time he faced the Brewers in, in July. Uh, first game back from the All-Star break, five earned runs and four and two-thirds, so... I, I think it'd be okay to set him. He's just, he's so inconsistent at this point. I think more often than not, we're benching Blake Snell at this part of the season. Five innings, three runs, nine strikeouts over the weekend, and he's up against the Dodgers this upcoming week, but it's at home, and he's got a 2.68 ERA at home, and he's actually pitched very well against the Dodgers this year. So Blake Snell, starter sit. I think the matchup decides it for you. He's fringy enough that, that that's that's the case now. I mean, his last four starts have been pretty good. Only one of them's technically been quality, but that's that's kind of been the story for for Blake Snell for the past few years now. Yeah, I mean, even with that two six eighty RA at home, it's under five and a half innings per start. It comes with the two fifty nine Babip. Um, you know, still right around four walks per nine. So. I think there's still enough reasons to to not want to rely on Blake Snow. Hyunjin Ryu bat, uh, bounced back this weekend against the Tigers. Seven shutout with five strikeouts, including 15 swinging strikes on 105 pitches. Really, the past two months have been very inconsistent for Ryu, but a big issue for him has been the lack of swinging strikes. So it was nice to see that bounce back for him. Uh, the problem going up against the White Sox this week, tougher matchup than the Tigers. Would you start or sit Ryu there? He's kind of in the sunny gray category for me, I guess. So, you know, certainly not a priority to start him, but mm -hmm. it's not the worst thing in the world if you have to. This is the most Zach Gallen thing ever, right? So he's only started in 42% of CBS leagues this weekend, and he's at the Rockies, which look, you shouldn't have been starting Zach Gallen there, obviously. Seven shutout with nine strikeouts, right? It's just, that's the way these things go sometimes. It's, it's, it's very weird. 
Anyway, uh, I noticed his fastball spin rate was up over 100. His cutter spin rate up over 220 RPM in that start. Uh, he's 79% rostered at the Phillies this week. What do we think about Zach Gallon? I am not ready to start him yet, but I was encouraged by this. I, I've, overall, I still feel discouraged about Zach Gallon and still wonder if something's wrong with him still. Mm-hmm. You know, you had the elbow issue earlier on, the ligament issue. But but this this start gave me some hope that maybe he'll be able to pull out of it without any surgical intervention. Although I do always, I, I always feel like even when a pitcher pitches well in course field, it, it, you can't learn anything about a pitcher pitching well or poorly at course field. <laughs> like, like I yeah. think there's like a sense like, oh, wow, he pitched well at course field. That's a good sign. But it's like, but it's so different than pitching anywhere else that it's like, whatever he did in this start that went well, would that work necessarily as well somewhere else against a different, it's like course field is just kind of its own like vacuum of <laughs> fantasy relevance. Last yeah. one we have here, John means meh, a quality start against the Braves on Sunday with five strikeouts starter sit the against the Tampa Bay Rays this upcoming week, which I believe he got hit hard. Very, uh, yeah. he got hit very hard against them last time out. Yes. Yeah, I think I think you have to sit him, and you know, I, I like I said the last time we talked about him, I don't think it's, I don't think he's like a lost cause or anything, but I just, I just think he's going to be too inconsistent, particularly for the team he pitches for, for you to get much use out of him this season. And as I mentioned before, he's out of my top sixty now at starting pitcher. His uh his full season pace over his last eleven starts would be fifty six home runs allowed. Mm. <laughs> that's um that's not gonna work. Eighteen in his in fifty six innings over the last eleven starts. So that would be uh really bad. Sheesh. Um, yeah, and that start is in Camden Yards. So yeah, I don't think you can trust him there. No thanks. All right, where should we add any of these starting pitchers? Let's quickly run through Nestor Cortez was up against the Twins on Friday. Seven innings, two runs, seven strikeouts. He is 27% rostered. Do we need to add Nestor Cortez anywhere? Yeah. Oh, I think it's, I think you could triple that roster percentage almost. Adam, I would add him most everywhere at this point. 270 XERA. The XFIP is mm-hmm. kind of high because he doesn't get a lot of strikeouts, but he's got a very deceptive delivery, so you could understand why there's weak contact. Well, and... He's it's not really even just deceptive. It's just all over the place. He he's kind of got a little bit of like the like early I don't think Rizel Iglesias does this quite as much as he used to, but he would throw consistently from different arm slots and Nestor Cortez really like you look at his release point it's kind of just like a a wave across like several feet. Yes, if you enjoy watching crafty starting pitchers, that is the word I would yeah. use to describe Nestor Cortez. He he changes up his arm slots. He changes up uh, his pacing in terms of delivery. Sometimes he quick pitches people, and other times he stalls. He, d- he has like that Johnny Cueto thing going on. So it's not a great matchup this week at the Oakland A's, but he has pitched very, very well for the Yankees, as has Kyle Freeland for the Colorado Rockies. Seven innings, two runs, 10 strikeouts this weekend against the Diamondbacks. Over his last 11 starts, 2.53 ERA. Now, we can't get that production anymore. I don't know if he's going to be able to keep up anything close to this level, but he's at the Dodgers this upcoming week. He's only 22% rostered. Should we be adding Kyle Freeland anywhere? Ah, Man, I don't think so. I know it's been a long run of success here. 
still, I think it's, I think it's three home runs allowed during that 11 start stretch for a fly ball pitcher. And granted, you could say Nestor Cortez has had good home run luck too, because he's a fly ball pitcher in a hitter's park. But I just, I, I think Nestor Cortez has enough weirdness going on that he might be able to get away with it. And I just, I don't feel the same way about Freeland. It's worth noting Kyle Freeland has had a season, a full season like this before. Uh, that 2018 season when he had a 2.85 ERA over 202.1 innings. The problem for our purposes when it comes to projecting forward is his next season he had a 6.73 ERA. <laughs> Obviously there were injury issues there, but I think that kind of tells you, um, you know, the value of buying into this good run, like against a good matchup on the road, maybe, but certainly not worth adding on a week when he has to face the Dodgers. So you know you can't use him anyway. Yep. Last two names here, Tyler Alexander and Jordan Lyles. They each pitched seven innings of one-run ball this weekend. Do we need to add either anywhere? I don't think either is very interesting, no. All right. Much like Christian Yelich, it's been a weird season for Aaron Nola where we've been waiting to see something, some sign of life. And he gave us that against the Padres. They left him in just a little bit too long, trying to give him that complete game. Winds up throwing 117 pitches, eight and two-thirds, Three runs, two of those were earned, 11 strikeouts, gave up that game-tying homer to Jake Cronenworth on the last out of the game, what would have been the last out. And uh, he changed things up a little bit here. Threw the curveball and change up a lot less, used his sinker more, the fastball velocity was up. Obviously, you know, I think we're starting him against the Diamondbacks this week, which is a pretty good pretty good matchup there. But uh, how encouraged are you by this from uh, Aaron Noah? Very encouraged. I wish they took him out earlier, but <laughs> but otherwise, I mean, it was a great start, and he's had great starts before this season, and the underlying numbers have looked great the whole time. So I I, I still think he could be an ace for you down the stretch, and uh, the start shows how that would be possible. Yeah, the underlying numbers have looked good the whole time. That's that's the key here is that it's not you know like that 2019 season we've talked about a lot where he just didn't pitch as well. Um, most of the things that we look at when we look for pitchers, uh, you know, were where they should be more or less. A few stud starting pitcher performances that I did want to point out quickly. And if you have anything to add on any, feel free. But Max Freed, a four hit shutout. Robbie Ray had 11 more strikeouts over eight innings against the Tigers. Lucas Giolito, seven innings, two runs, eight strikeouts. He had 24 swinging strikes against the Tampa Bay Rays. And then Walker Bueller, seven and two thirds two runs, eight strikeouts. He has now gone six-plus innings in 24 of 25 starts, averaging 21 fantasy points per game as Walker Bueller. That is second among starting pitchers uh, behind only Jacob deGrom. Freed, Robbie Ray, Giolito, Walker Bueller. I pointed this out last time we talked about Freed, but it's worth pointing out again because now it's even better. Since those three starts in April, when his velocity was down, and we soon learned he had a a uh, an injury. What kind of injury was it? He had an injury of some kind. Since those three starts in April, Max Fried has a 2.67 ERA. That's compared to the 2.25 ERA he had last year, that we all thought was highly unsustainable. I mean, 2.67 isn't 2.25, but the guys looking. Looking more legit than we gave him credit for. A couple of their studs I wanted to mention. Sandy Alcantara. Alcantara. Apologies, Sandy, if you're listening. Seven innings, two runs, 11 strikeouts at the Reds. Uh, he has seven inning quality starts, 
in four of his last five. Framber Valdez, seven shutout with six strikeouts against the Mariners. Adam Wainwright, just keep facing the Pirates, man. Let's do it. Eight shutout with nine strikeouts on Sunday. He has gone six-plus innings in 14 of his last 15 starts. Kyle Gibson was at the Padres, eight innings, one run, three strikeouts. And then we had just a great pitching duel on Sunday between Logan mm-hmm. Webb and Frankie Montas. Webb, six innings, one run, seven strikeouts. We've talked about him a ton over the past couple of weeks. Looks like he's setting up to be a league winner. He's 90% rostered at this point is Logan Webb. Six straight quality starts. Frankie Montas, seven shutout on the other side, nine strikeouts, 21 swinging strikes against the Giants, a team that does not swing and miss all that much. And over his last 10 starts, 2.55 ERA for Montas, a near 17% swinging strike rate, which is the top, which is the best in all of baseball during that stretch. So that's dating back to like late June. Uh, Yeah, so Montas, Webb, Gibson, Wainwright, Valdez, and Sandy. Chris, anything you'd like to add on that group? Um, I... I hope Frankie Montas keeps it up. I, it, it's never a given. Um, and just you know, to to point out one, um, Sandy Alcantara, Alcantara. <laughs> Sorry, the same thing. Even the Marlins <laughs> fans getting it wrong. Uh, well, I'm I'm pretty bad at pronouncing names in general. Uh, looks like he's probably going to get to 200 innings pretty easily this season, and. Uh, that's going to give him two out of the last three with at least 197 uh, with an ERA, you know, well south of 3.5 over the last two seasons now. So it's pretty good, even though he's not, you know, an ace-ace. Calls to the pen, some bullpen updates. We'll wrap up with these. Tampa Bay on Friday, JT Chargois came in for the save up 5-4. He gave up a solo home run to Tim Anderson. And then on Saturday, Colin McHugh recorded the final five outs for his first save of the season. Scott, do you have any read here on Tampa Bay? Nope. I mean, McHugh's their best reliever, but I doubt I doubt this means he's the closer now. We spoke about the Reds' complete mess there, and TJ Antone is expected back, which we also mentioned. On Friday for the Nationals, Kyle Finnegan got his fifth save. He's only 37% rostered. The Nationals probably not going to win that many games, but he is definitely the closer, so... If you do need saves, he's out there. For the Royals on Saturday, Scott Barlow got his eighth save. He's 27% rostered. Two and, in a row for him. Yep. And got then, two over the weekend. And then for the Pirates on Saturday, David Bednar got his first save. He is 16% rostered. Scott, how would you rank those last three we just mentioned? Finnegan, Barlow, Bednar, if you need saves. Uh, um, <laughs> I mean, Bednar's the best pitcher but probably on the worst team. And this was the first time they got a save opportunity since the trade deadline. So I'm going to say, I'm going to say Finnegan, just because you know who, you know, they're going to go with him, but I think go he's with, probably the worst pitcher. Go with the best pitcher. Go with the best. Oh, you're going with Bednar. Yeah. Just because like, it's so hard to predict when and where save opportunities are going to go. Remember the, the Diamondbacks went something like 40 games without a save opportunity earlier this season. I may be exaggerating that, but I actually don't think so. I think it really was that long. Um, that sounds right. And, uh, you know, now they've kind of had just a normal bad teams amount of saves since then. So uh, the, the w- one problem with Bednar, not to extend the conversation forever, but he worked part of the seventh and eighth on Friday 
with Stratton following him in the ninth in a non-save chance. So I don't even know for sure that he's the closer for the Pirates, you know? Sure. Yeah. At least with Finnegan, we know. He is the guy. To stream or not to stream with Monday, Colby Allard at the Red Sox, Will Crow versus the Diamondbacks, Antonio Senzatella at the Cubs, Daniel Lynch at the Houston Astros, and Paul Blackburn versus the Mariners. Should we just say no? (laughs) That would be my preference, but that's usually not how this segment has worked this season. (laughs) That is true. Uh, I I do like Lynch as a two-star pitcher this week, but the second matchup is much better than at Houston. Yeah. Yeah. So, and Houston, no, Houston just had a massive offensive weekend too. It's, I don't, I don't know if I want to get in the way of the Astros right now. I'm going to say no. Let's just go with no for Monday. How about Tuesday? We have Justin Steele versus the Rockies. Eric Fetty at the Marlins. Dylan Bundy at the Orioles. Revenge game. Eli Morgan versus the Rangers. And uh, Tyler McGill versus the Giants. And Ranger Suarez versus the Rays. This is a much better. number one for me. Even with the matchup against the Giants. I just think he's the best pitcher here. McGill. Yeah. Yeah. I don't hate Eli Morgan. I I don't think he's very good. But I think the Rangers are worse. Yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. I'd probably say the same thing about Eric Fetty, but he's the one I like the least of the ones that we've mentioned. So I might, uh, uh, McGill and Suarez, I could say the same for both of them that I said for Lynch. I like them as two star pitchers this week, but the first matchup is the bad matchup. Yeah. So if you had to choose one, Scott, who would you go with? Oh, it'd be, I agree with Chris, it'd be McGill. And I think I agree with you, Morgan, would be my second choice. All right. For Scott and Chris, I am Frank. Thank you all for listening and watching Fantasy Baseball Today. We'll be back again on Tuesday. Bye-bye. If you've ever been in the market for a new home, you know home shopping can be a lot. There's so much you don't know and so much you need to know. What are the neighborhoods like? What are the schools like? Who is the agent who knows the listing or neighborhood best? And why can't all this information just be in one place? Well, now it is on homes.com. As somebody who's been through this, I can tell you these features are so, so incredibly valuable. They've got comprehensive neighborhood guides and detailed reports about local schools and their agent directory helps you see the agent's current listings and sales history. The area you live in is just as important as the house itself. You can get to know a neighborhood without ever setting foot in it. Say you're a really active person. You could find out about the nearest parks. Do they have a baseball field? Maybe you want to join a softball league like Chris and I play in. Also, Homes.com collaboration tools makes it easier than ever to share all this information with your family. It's a whole cul-de-sac of home shopping information all at your fingertips. Homes.com, we've done your homework.